Ah, yes, friends. OGP on a Tuesday, the one giant podcast where we are your host, Adam Armbrecht and Andy Makowitz, my friend. I come in jacked up. I got to be honest with you. I don't know if you watch us over on YouTube, but the intro music really does get me pumping in the mornings. It's important to get a little bit of volume in there and really start to uh, get the giant's juices flowing. How are we, sir? I'm good. You're giving people a little bit of a behind the scenes look. You know, Adam basically turns on the intro music to OGP to get himself pumped up before workouts, before exercise, before cooking a good meal. So, like, you know, kudos to you for picking that in intro for us, you know? You better believe it, man. By the way, back in the day when, when I first, I think I'd sent over several samples and we could have gone a very different direction because I have an eclectic music taste. Turns out, though, you kind of want to stay in a certain lane when you're coming to a sports podcast. It was a good thing that uh, you happen to be on board to maybe redirect the ship in a slightly more up-tempo kind of energy. Yeah, Adam, when you when you said the word flautist to me, I said maybe we need to go in a little bit of a different direction with that considering it's football. But hey, I mean, that could have worked out pretty good as well. Good music is good music in my book, but nevertheless, we come in uh, on a Tuesday to, of course, first and foremost, update the coaching carousel, talk about best combinations of coaching staff for the New York football giants and the impact potentially at the QB position. Let's kick it off with the head coaching interviews uh, that have been completed. We know still on, on deck right today is the second interview for one Brian Dable considered to be a leader in the clubhouse, but just finished was Dan Quinn. He has his interview complete, and out of the first round of candidates, he was the only one that actually came right into the facility to meet in person. Uh, what do you take away from, from where it stands right now? Because the sentiment from Giants fans is they may lemming themselves off a cliff if Dan Quinn is hired as the head coach. It, it, do you find it interesting? Because I, I said I may not prefer Dan Quinn for reasons that I have, and I, I acknowledge that they may not be all totally justified, but it's funny that we start to get a sense of, well, if it's this guy, then it, then it all works. If it's someone else, then there's no way, which seems to immediately discredit the value we've been placing on Joe Shane. Yeah, well, that, that's that's the funny part. I, I saw someone tweet uh, uh, tweet out last night, uh, Steve Tisch and John Mayer are confident in Joe Shane's ability to hire the right head coach. Well, I and, and, so. and, and, and I saw that and I was like, imagine they weren't like, imagine, imagine the other side of things where like, they're like, they have grave concern about the coaches that are coming in right now. You'd be like, what just happened in the last week? Right. So like I, the first thing that I'll say is, you know, I, when, when Brian Flores became available and was let go by the Dolphins, I immediately was like, man, this would be a slam dunk. And when you hear Dan Quinn's name, you kind of like, oh man, he flamed out in, in, in Atlanta. But like, if, if you're okay with Brian Flores, you pretty much have to be okay with Dan Quinn, mm -hmm. considering Dan Quinn has been a head coach and brought his team to the Super Bowl. You know, the more I've thought about Brian Flores, you know, compared to Dan Quinn, Dan Quinn's defense really uh, stunk it up, and and Dan Quinn did have Kyle Shanahan and others on his his staff running the offense with Matt Ryan and basically making him an MVP. But like you think about Brian Flores, he basically yelled at his quarterback to uh told him that he wishes he drafted someone else. He benched him for Ryan Fitzpatrick back and forth. He's been in and out of the lineup. He clashed with you know multiple defensive and offensive coordinators. He went to the and said the GM needs to be fired. Like. He's got a bunch of, of issues with his resume, too. So, like, if you're okay with Brian, Brian Flores being interviewed, you certainly have to be okay with Dan Quinn, right? I think so, yeah. And you, we, we've talked about Flores before, and just you, because it's recent, you're, you're looking at it and saying, oh, you know, he had success certainly in Miami, but there's also a, a track record, as you say, butting heads at, at different levels. And it doesn't have to be that you love your quarterback or not. 
But as we've often said, keeping things in-house, that's important, right? Keeping those kind of discussions or arguments behind closed doors is important. It did seem like there was obviously something that went on there in Miami that created this tension. Doesn't mean that Flores isn't a good head coach. Doesn't mean that he can't become the Giants' next head coach. But it does make the interview process where you go, hey, just go ahead and break that down for me real quick. What exactly was going on there? And likewise, for Dan Quinn, listen, he's removed now from the Atlanta days. But you probably do. The questions that get asked in these interviews are most likely what did you learn from the end of your time in Atlanta, right? What did you take away from this past year in Dallas? What did you like or not like? Because that's been a team that's been, uh, you know, certainly scrutinized for its clock management, decision-making, et cetera. You were a part of that coaching staff. However big your voice was in the room, it's certainly something that you're going to want to hear about. And and again, Dan Quinn at this point is at least well-regarded enough that he got in on his first interview to the facility. We'll see how far along it goes because, this is where we get into the layers, right, Andy? There's there's the head coach interviews, and then there's the preparation for what could come after. And and also the one one footnote on Dan Quinn and Brian Flores, it, it's like people want to have it both ways. You can't have a guy that has head coaching experience come in and interview for you because guess what? Every single one of those people that has head coaching experience that we're going to be interviewing got fired, right? Like at some point they got fired. So there's never going to be a perfect head coaching candidate if you want someone with previous experience. So Dan Quinn, Brian Flores, I think it's it's interesting to note, we talked about another defensive uh, coordinator, our own Patrick Graham, who's interviewing as well. Um, But, you know, they're all interviewing for the head coaching position now that Joe Shane is in place. And now the Giants are slowly starting to get into potential coordinator uh, positions. And one of them starts with Cowboys Joe Witt Jr. So um, he was on the defensive staff. He was a secondary coach uh, for the Cowboys under Dan Quinn last year. Um, he was also with Dan Quinn in Atlanta. He just so happened to work with Patrick Graham in, in 2018. He's got a lot of different connections to you know potential Giants head coaches, which is good. Like The Giants are starting to now add a few layers onto this. We have our three, four, five different head coaches we're interviewing. We're now thinking if any of them get here, is this, is is Joe Witt Jr. on the short list to be a defensive coordinator? We don't want to miss out because I know that Joe Witt already has interviews lined up with um, the Ravens and I think the Seahawks as well. So he, you know, he's in, he's a hot commodity. People are wanting him for their defensive coordinator position. It's the same reason why we requested interviews with people like Dan Quinn before we even named Joe Shane the general manager. Yeah, I, I think this is, a, you know, again, you can only take him at his word. But when John Merrick came out and said, we want to be thoughtful, we want to be thorough about this. I think they immediately looked at it and said, what did we do poorly the last time around? We didn't we didn't schedule things early enough and just say, hey, let's bring everybody in. There's nothing wrong with having someone in the door for GM or for a head coach or for a coordinator position. And then a few days later saying we really liked the interview process with them. We wish them nothing but the best, right? Instead, it felt like the Giants did it the first time around, or the last time around, I should say, in this, well, here's the guy we think we want for head coach. And now that we have him, let's consider what that looks like. And it was a very um, clunky process that I think eliminated a lot of good opportunities to get some really good candidates in the door. We don't have to get into the whole uh, you know, Jason Garrett piece, et cetera. But uh, on that point, too, I I think this is smart in the standpoint of if we go with Dable, we want to have certain names lined up. And if we go with Dan Quinn, we want to have certain names lined up. And when you mentioned uh, Joe Jr., what's nice about it is that if he played or worked with, I should say, Patrick Graham, there is it seems like there's this sense of we like the direction the defense was going, right? We like the system that we have in place here. Whether or not it remains Patrick Graham or someone else, we would like to have the opportunity to look on that side of the ball 
know that we have talented players at all levels and be able to feel like we can keep some of them around because they'll still function inside of this team, no matter who comes in a head coach and then at the coordinator position as well. Well, the, the other important thing to note is while, you know, Patrick Ramis said that uh, being the Giants defensive coordinator is his dream job. He's happy. He doesn't know if he necessarily wants to leave. You know, he's gotten other interviews to request him for the defensive coordinator, like with the Pittsburgh Steelers. There's three options that could be on the table for Patrick Graham. One is he gets named the head coach. Two is that he goes somewhere else. Or or three is he's the defensive coordinator of the Giants next year, right? Like th- that's all up in the air. And a guy like Joe Witt Jr., who is getting, you know, defensive coordinator position interviews. Think of this also. If Dan Quinn leaves the Cowboys, does Joe Witt still have a job as the secondary coach for Dallas if a new defensive coordinator comes in? So like he's got to be doing his own due diligence and checks and balances because there's so many different moving parts right now. Everyone needs to be protected, whether it's Patrick Graham, whether it's Joe Witt, or it's even the Giants as an organization to be ready for any of these different scenarios that could come out. I think the nice piece, potentially, if if Graham does move on, just I'm not saying I want him to, I don't have anything against him, but new regime, it's okay to see that turnover, is that then the Giants, who paid him significant money to stay on as the defensive coordinator, would get out from underneath that. And we said this before, some teams, it doesn't matter as much, some organizations, the Giants are not the limitless fund of money to be able to spend, necessarily. I'm not saying that they're strapped for cash, but... They do look at these things, I think, a little bit. Remember, the Giants kept paying Patrick Graham, uh, Patrick uh, Shermer after he left, right? The Giants are going to be paying Joe Judge. Like, they they keep paying everybody because they keep firing guys before their tenure is over with the Giants. The, the Giants just like to pay a lot of head coaches, right? They just like, they're like, you know, they're it's a charitable organization. They're like, you get, you know, fired, but get paid. You get fired, but get paid. It's like, how many head coaches are we going to have uh, under uh, under salary that aren't coaching for the Giants? We said this, right? They're, they're, they're good people at their core. There's been missteps, but they are good people. And that's what matters mostly, not about wins and losses, friends. Now, um, in addition to that, then, though, with some head coaching interviews happening, obviously for the Giants, coordinators getting scheduled here, there's been a little bit of smoke around a particular name um, that we had talked about as a potential head coaching candidate that we weren't too sure if we would lean into, as well as some other names. And to your point about as these cards start to shuffle around the league, coordinators all of a sudden that you wouldn't have thought would have been moved on from in an organization become available. Names that we highlight like Wink Martindale, Joe Brady, and of course Vic Fangio, most recently of the Denver Broncos. What's the spectrum on a lot of those names? And obviously Wink Martindale seeming to get a little bit of buzz here coming out of Baltimore. Yeah, so the, so the one I think that's most interesting to Giant fans is Wink Martindale. And the reason why is twofold. One is uh, during the last coaching interview process when we hired Joe Judge, Wink Martindale got a head coaching interview from the Giants, right? So the Giants brought him in the building. They clearly liked what he was building on the defensive side of the ball in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. So so the, the second piece of it is, there, there's already a little bit of smoke and this could be like, you know, Brian Dayball trying to, to get the temperature of the fan base on, on what's going on. If he gets the job, there's rumors that if Dayball gets hired as the head coach, that he is you know already kind of linked up and having communication with Wink Martindale, who, you know, has had been in Baltimore since 2012. Would um, you say it's a bit of a wink, wink. Mm, I, I like what you did there. I, yeah. I, I see what you did there. That Don Wink Martindale would like that little reference that you threw out there. Um, but but listen, the, the interesting thing about Wink Martindale and, and why it's it's this could be a potential home run for the Giants is, you know, he this is a surprise fire by the by the Baltimore Ravens. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you go by the metric which is DVOA, which is defense adjusted value on average, what what, is, what and that means basically 
how did the defense perform adjusted for the level of the competition that they were playing against sure. from 2018 to 2020, you know, Wink Martindale's Baltimore Ravens defense was number one. They were fourth, fourth, fifth, and eighth over that span. No one else averaged out better than they did. Doesn't hurt. It, you know, in this past season, they, they dropped up to 28th or 29th. And a lot of that has to do with injuries. You know, they lost their last six games. They need to shake something up and they need to do something. Wink Martindale was in the last year of his contract upcoming. He would have been a lame duck defensive coordinator. There was a bunch of different things at play here. You know, don't be surprised if someone like Vic Fangio, who has familiarity with the Ravens, ends up going back to be the defensive coordinator for Baltimore. But Wink Martindale would be a, a, a great addition for the Giants if Patrick Graham decides to go, if Dayball likes Wink Martindale more. If you have Dayball as the head coach and you have Wink Martindale as the defensive coordinator, I think the Giants are already putting a really, really solid foundation after you know taking all their time for the GM, taking this time for, for the coaching search. They'd be in a good position, Adam. No, 100%. And it's funny, you know, we, we talked about this carousel of Patrick Graham interviewing places. Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, they're waiting for somebody here. But, you know, if they're looking for a defensive coordinator to join their staff, whether it's Wink Martindale or it's Patrick Graham, right, or it's Vic Fangio, like there's always going to be this third or fourth team waiting in the wings if it doesn't work out for one side or the other on the front end of it. I I, I love the idea of Wink Martindale. Listen, I think the, the best thing from, uh, I'll say from a Wink Martindale standpoint is, he got an interview, as you said, last cycle for the Giants, but it's not unlike Eric Bieniemy in the Kansas City Chiefs organization where, you know, well, is it you or is it the system? We know those head coaches are entrenched there and they're fantastic. They got such a great track record. If you're Wink Martindale, this is an opportunity to further elevate your head coaching profile, I think, right? If you come to the Giants organization and turn this defense into one of those top five, and listen, we're not going to dream as high as number one, but if you make them a top 10 defense and they show that consistency and you show the versatility of personnel, et cetera, well, then that next time around over the next couple of years, you could really find yourself in a lot more of these head coaching vacancies. Whereas prior to that, again, you get the sense that you're a system guy. Same thing with a guy like the enemy. So I, 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 while I said I would not necessarily have been on board with Martindale as the head coach, as the defensive coordinator, I love it because I think that the, I, there's no denying what they have accomplished in Baltimore over, as you said, not just the last three, four years, but it, it, that's what Baltimore has been. They have been a defensive stalwart in the league year in and year out. And it always seems like, well, they added in some big pieces in free agency, certainly, they have a rotating cast where they plug and play with guys. And to your point, this past season, they were decimated by injuries at the cornerback position. So it seemed inevitable that you were going to have a bad bump. It's good for the Ravens. They felt like they were in this little bit of flux piece, and it's going to open it up, whether it's the Giants or another team. I think Wink Martindale is going to be that kind of coordinator that helps turn around that side of a ball for a franchise. Well, and, and as we talk about all these names that are available on the open market, Wink Martindale, defensive coordinator. Vic Fangio, defensive coordinator. Dan Quinn, a defensive-minded coach. We had Patrick Patrick Graham, Brian Flores. We have a lot of different candidates on the defensive side of the ball. So far, Brian Dayball, uh, you know, Anna Rumo from, uh, from from the Bengals is also yeah. another name that's familiar with the Giants on the defensive side of the ball. Brian Dayball is the only offensive coach we've interviewed for the head coaching position, which I think is fascinating to me because – you know, look at what Joe Shane and Brandon Bean have in in Buffalo before he he took the job here. You know, Sean McDermott is a defensive minded coach, and mm -hmm. you know, Leslie Frazier is one of the best defensive coaches in the league. And Brian Dayball is a great offensive mind. They, Joe Shane has already seen the defensive head coach work. He's seen it be successful and be able to build a, a, a QB. So I don't know. It, it's fascinating to me that 
there's only one candidate if they want to go offensively, and that's Dayball right now. It, it kind of lends itself to like, what do you think would be the ideal kind of trinity of you know ho- co- head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, or any positional coaches specifically, Adam? Yeah, one guy in there mentioned too was Joe Brady, obviously out of Carolina, a team that you know Matt Rule that was the hot name out there in the last cycle as well. He seemed to have some stumbles and may have used Joe Brady as the proverbial sacrificial lamb there, right? So he's again offensive minded and Adam, Adam, imagine imagine letting go of of Wonder Kid uh, Joe Brady only to step up and hire one Ben McAdoo as your offensive coordinator in Carolina. So think about this, Giant fans. If we would have guaranteed Matt Rule a seventh year as the head coach um, in that contract, he may have come to us, and we could be the lucky owners of of Ben McAdoo retread round two with the Giants. Listen, baby, as a coordinator, he was fine. You know what I mean? It just wasn't the guy with the slick back hair and the oversized suits that you wanted at the helm of this ship. But but it does bring up, I think your point, it's interesting. The ideal version of these things, I think, the hard part is, it's like right now we say, well, if you hire Brian Dable and then you tell me it's Wink Martindale as the DC, hey, we're starting to put something together here and you can look inside the Bills organization and think about who could be coming as OC uh, for Dable as well. I, They all kind of work in tandem, right? Like if you told me Dan Quinn was going to be hired, I'm not, while he isn't my first choice, I'm not going to sit here and say, well, if it's Dan Quinn, it's an absolute disaster. No, my next question would be, is Joe Brady on the list of possible offensive coordinators? You know, do you have confidence in him from his time in Carolina in spite of being let go there where the consensus was it wasn't about the play calling of the, on the offensive side of the ball? There was other issues at play there, specifically maybe the quarterback, right? So you can construct a coaching staff that looks dynamic and has a guy with NFL head coaching experience at the helm with a, we still think, very bright offensive mind taking care of the things on that side of the ball. So Everything works in tandem for me, right? Because my my value on the DC, maybe Patrick Graham sticks around there, right? Is Dan Quinn, Joe Brady, and Patrick Graham a winning combination for a coaching staff? Maybe. Is Dable and, uh, you know, ex who knows, Dable and Joe Brady and Wink Martindale? Is that a better version of it? It all comes down to, as, as we keep coming back to, you hired Joe Shane, you believe in him as the new GM of the Giants, so you believe that not only does he have the right mindset in hiring the head coach, he also understands the other pieces that are going to fall into place behind him to hopefully create the best version of this team going forward. There's there's actually a few other names that I think are interesting that are being batted around right now, and, and I, I think they're worth noting. One, uh, just actually declined the offensive coordinator interview with the Carolina Panthers. He was like, nope, not interested in that job. I will hard pass on that because I don't know who your quarterback's going to be, and that's one Pep Hamilton who's the passing game coordinator in Houston. Mm-hmm. He has, he, you know, throughout his entire career, he's been, you know, I hate using the cliche QB whisperer, but he has found a way to get the most out of every quarterback that he's worked with, whether it's Davis Mills this past year, whether mm-hmm. it's Justin Herbert as a rookie, making sure that he gets acclimated um, back, back in the day with Andrew Luck, there's quite a few different places that he's, he's gone to be able to show success. It would be an interesting hire as an offensive coordinator under Dayball to say, Dayball can call the plays. Pep Hamilton, your number one job is to get the most out of Daniel Jones. I mean, I, I, I'd sign up for that if, if that was the situation, right? Well, interestingly enough, right? So you say he declines the opportunity in Carolina because of the QB situation. And we've heard this, at least, that most GMs that interviewed for the position, including Joe Shane and coordinators that have been interviewed for the head coaching job, have, the consensus has been 
Daniel Jones hasn't exactly gotten a fair shake. It doesn't mean that they all think he's a franchise quarterback, but just that, hey, circumstantially speaking, that was not great. For, for Daniel Jones, for any young quarterback to be in that type of system and that type of turnover over the first three years. So Daniel Jones is going to get a fair shake. If Pep Hamilton was brought in and or, or was asked and declined, you'd say, well, maybe he's looked at the tape and he has a sense of what he thinks he has or does not have in Daniel Jones and isn't comfortable waiting the year out to get a new quarterback in. Likewise, you mentioned Houston. I keep coming back to David Culley. I still think that he should be a name on the list here because he also has a little bit of that whisperer tag around the QB position. So you start to wonder if it's Dable at the top, then yeah, you can have a more QB focused mind at the offensive coordinator position or the QB assistant head coach position. So when we start thinking about ideal, ideal combinations here. I'm going to keep coming back to it right now in this moment. It's very fluid. I think that idea of Dable wink Martindale that makes a lot of sense to me. I, I'll keep saying that Cully should have a position on this staff. I'm sure there's other names in that vein that you would, that would fit that mold too. And maybe Pep Hamilton is one of them. I think it now becomes, is there a young creative mind at the OC position that the Giants would like to bring in that helps to elevate what Dable is bringing on that side of the ball? Well, that's a really good question. I think... It, it, it goes more towards what's the ideal fit for Daniel Jones. I think Adam, that's like that's, that's, that, that is really what it comes down to because, or let me ask, let, let's frame this though. The ideal fit for Daniel Jones is not saying that it needs to be the best thing for Daniel Jones. Like we can, we can debate about what would be the best opportunity for Daniel Jones to have success in his fourth year. Right. But it's also about saying, this is the best version of our coaching staff. And Daniel Jones, you're going to sink or swim in this, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, th that's that's a little bit. Uh, it, it's it's a very uh, it, it's a question that has layers, right? Yeah. It, it's not it's not Dungeon. just let's hire the coaches specifically to coach Daniel Jones. It's let's hire the best coaches to win football games, and hopefully they can coax the most out of the current quarterback on the roster, which happens to be Daniel Jones. Um, there's there's a few names. I, I, I we talked about Pep Hamilton. You talked mm -hmm. about David Culley. Um, another name that I've heard is Mike Kafka, who's the uh, quarterbacks coach for the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm -hmm. Doesn't hurt when you go Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes, and you have some success there in a great organization under Andy Reid. Um, but but what I will say is, I, it sounds very cliche, but you know the name that comes up is the quarterback coach uh, Ken Dorsey uh, 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 of the Buffalo Bills, yeah. and and you know there's two reasons why. The first one is. Josh Allen just came out right after the game and they talked about what Ken Dorsey's done. He's like, he's awesome. He's amazing. I love working with him. Like you can tell that there's genuine respect and, and, and he, Josh Allen really likes working with Ken Dorsey. So if you're going to sign off on Brian Dable, the Brian Dable, the Ken Dorsey thing, they already have it figured out on how to at least work to get the most out of their quarterback. And that's not to say that, you know, and we could stop this right here. There's, it's not to say that Brian Dable and Ken Dorsey are going to turn Daniel Jones into Josh Allen. Like that whole thing is absolutely ludicrous. But what we can say is we're giving Daniel Jones the best opportunity to be the best version of whatever he can be, right? Yeah, if you're going to assess what Daniel Jones is, these are guys that have experience developing a quarterback. Remember, Josh Allen came into the league and everyone said, his kid can't complete more than 50% of his passes. It's going to, it's going to be very difficult to have success with him. 
cut two, they've elevated the percentages, they've utilized his legs, and they figured out how to create a system around him. So no, this is not, oh, just hire, hire Dable and he'll go ahead and turn him into Josh Allen. No, but I would, if you come out of this season and they go, we're moving on from Daniel Jones, you'd have all the confidence in the world that it's because he's not going to be capable of developing the way that they want him to inside of their system. And I think the other wrinkle that you can add to this, if that happens, is you can start to look now, we're not, we're not getting into it, but you start to look at the draft and say, there's some mid-round guys, a player out of, out of Cincinnati that I'll throw out there that kind of fits into the Josh Allen mold is Desmond Riddler. He's a guy that uses his legs. He's a little bit aggressive with his throws. He needs to settle things down. Some mechanical issues. Like I don't see the Giants running out to go get a top 10 quarterback in this upcoming draft. But again, if you believe in the Dable system, right, if you believe that he can groom a quarterback that way, suddenly you can bring someone in the wings a little bit that maybe over the first year, maybe over the first two years even, is going to develop into a guy that you think you can execute your system with. So it leaves a lot of opportunities on the table. And I do think that if the organization and a lot of these GMs, I'm going to put Shane in that boat, if they looked at Daniel Jones and said he didn't get a fair shake, I think the understanding is the construct you're putting in place is to say, Let's go ahead and give this kid a fair look this lat this fourth year, and then we'll make our choice, right? This thing isn't going to drag out. They're not going to pick up fifth-year options and develop Daniel Jones into a seventh year in the NFL, but I think you'll very quickly get a sense of where the staff feels, where the organization feels on Daniel Jones, and it's fair when you already have the guy in the building and he's already going to be on the books for $8 million and you can't move it and you're not just going to cut it, cut ties with it. You want to at least give your best chance to evaluate him properly. And sometimes coaching staffs matter, right? Having a guy in place that can help a quarterback get to the highest possible level, it matters. And I guess it's maybe splitting hairs about whether or not we think Jason Garrett at the very least is a good offensive mind. And maybe we should take some proof in the pudding about what we saw from him over two seasons with Jones. Well, keep in mind with Joe Shane being hired, Dayball leader in the clubhouse, we're talking about Ken Dorsey as, as potential offensive coordinator. You know, we love Daniel Jones because he is, you know, someone that we drafted. We want him to be successful. He's a home, you know, homegrown guy. But, you know, the Buffalo Bills could, ver- you know, the Buffalo Bills have a backup quarterback in Mitch Trubisky that Joe Shane helped sign there yeah. to back up as a capable quarterback to back up Josh Allen in case he got hurt. There's a scenario where, you know, Dayball comes in, Joe Shane decides, hey, let's give $5 million as a backup to Mitch Trubisky and actually have legitimate competition with Daniel Jones to see who, who can, who can win that job. And they're, they're kind of in the same mold where they're both a little bit athletic can get out into space and do these different things. It would, it would actually be really good for both Daniel Jones and the giants. If we have some bona fide competition and keep in mind, Adam, Mitch Trubisky only 27 years old and made the playoffs back to back years with the Chicago bears. So like, you know, as, as much as he was maligned there, he's still a quality quarterback in the league. Oh, of course. And again, like we'll get into this as the offseason progresses. But if you told me that the Giants wanted to bring in Mitch Trubisky to be the bridge quarterback to a Desmond Riddler or any other name coming out of the draft, that's the kind of combination that lines up in the right direction. And you can still have Daniel Jones in that mix in the short term and see how it fleshes out. But this is what good organizations do. You prepare for success and also in the background, make sure you have a contingency plan if option A does not work out for you. And that's what we anticipate with the New York football Giants. At Wait, the end, are you saying... Are are you saying that the Giants didn't have a contingency plan for Daniel Jones this year? Is that is that what you're saying? You you didn't think that Mike Lennon and then 27 practice squad quarterbacks was a was a solid solid plan? Andy, I don't think the Giants had a contingency plan for anything over the last <laughs> five or six years. I think their plan was kind of 
gunslinger, shoot from the hip and watch it all stick to the wall. Hopefully it kind of Picasso's its way. Jackson Pollock's itself to success. And you see the result of that, right? No, it has well, been as, a disaster. And as Dave fallen. Gettleman says, as Dave Gettleman says, well, we clearly like our players more than you do, right? So, and, and now guess what? He's no longer here and most of those players are no longer going to be here either. Exactly. And that's why at the end of the day, we'll see how the week progresses. It looks like they said maybe by the end of the week, you'll have the head coach in place. We'd like to obviously, again, there's still a handful of head coaching interviews to happen. We know that Dable's coming in today for his second interview. And in theory, remember, even with Joe Shane, he was the first one in for the second interview. You still had Adam Peters come in, right? You still had Ryan Poles come in. So the Giants do the due diligence of it is setting the standard. And then allowing other people to come in and try to top that. It looks like Dable is a leader in the clubhouse and we can start to draw some of these connections. But one thing we can say for sure, friends, as you're working through this process and trying to establish a quality organizational structure going forward, you can't make decisions based on fear and the possibility of what might happen. That's Michelle Obama. Think think about that. Though. Yeah. Think about that there. Andy. Wow. That was that was deep. Yeah, take big. It yeah. Big, use it throughout your day. It could be a mantra for you. I love it. I love it. The bottom line is follow us on YouTube. The numbers are really growing over there. We're putting out the content for you. We really appreciate the support. Get in on the comments. We want to interact with you guys. Obviously, follow the podcast where you get those needs fulfilled. And as Andy Mackowitz wants, needs, and nay, demands the people know. As always, let's go big blue. 